in Jeremiah chapter 29, it says that God is thinking about us. And we talked about this verse from Jeremiah chapter 29. It says, God said through a prophet named Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And, and it's a very popular verse, but what I love about that verse is that when you read it in other translations, you find out that it doesn't just mean thoughts. It also means plans. The New Living Translation, the NIV, uh, many other translations. In fact, the Amplified says it like this, for I know the thoughts and the plans. Thoughts and the plans. So God has thoughts, but those thoughts always include a plan. Amen? He has a plan for our life. And, and the greatest thing about receiving a gift, because we're at Christmas time, the greatest thing about receiving a gift is the thoughtfulness that went behind it. So thoughtful. I mean, I was, I was thinking about you, and because I was thinking about you, I made the effort to go into a store, to make by hand, to craft, to some way, somehow, order, whatever you could do, however you got it. I put it together, I wrapped it, or I put it in a bag, or I did something with it. I put a big bow on it. There was a thoughtfulness behind it that really makes the gift truly great. And so God has gifts for us, and behind every one of these great gifts we've been talking about for the last few weeks is the thought. He has thoughts that he thinks towards us. So the first thing we talked about, the first of God's greatest gifts towards us, is the Word of God. How many of you love your Bibles? Man, I love my Bible. I love the Word of God, whether you get it in a tablet, whether you have it uh, here uh, physically. Uh, I love the Word of God. I've been a student of the Word of God all my life. And let me tell you, there's nothing I would give in exchange for the ability to read the Word of God, to study the Word of God. There's no other book like this book. It's the greatest selling book of all time and always will be the greatest selling book of all time. Because it's not just words on a page. The Bible says it is living Hebrews chapter 4 says this book is living, it is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, it can divide soul and spirit, and so there is something about this book. It is God's gift to us, it is the manual, it, it is our life instructions, it is what God has given us to keep us from sin and error, to keep us from losing our way. We know that this is His plan for our life. Every prophetic word, everything spoken over our life, everything that we would ever think about being God's plan, God's will, has to line up with the words that are in this book. Amen? This is the source of all morality. This is our moral code. You see, some people think, where do I, where do I come up with morality? Morality isn't passed on to us from our parents. Because what if our parents are wrong? What if they're, in a sense, immoral? We don't get our moral code from another human. That doesn't mean that our parents don't teach us right from wrong. Of course they do. But where did they get that from? And where did the people who taught them get it from? There has to be a source somewhere. We didn't just make up a list of rules, make up a list of do's and don'ts. We didn't just think about, well, maybe this would be right. This is our inspiration. This is our moral code. Amen? And so the Word of God is, is really 
so valuable to us. It's God's gift to us. And then last week we talked about the second great gift, and that's the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a dove with fire coming out of his tail. He's not water, oil, or wind. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. And so the Bible says in John chapter 14, and we we read this book, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father. This is Jesus talking. And he'll give you another helper that he, there's that pronoun, come on now, that he, that personal pronoun, may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells in you, or with you, and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I'll come to you. And so the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us, to to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us. I said last week, he, He leads and guides. He illuminates and brings focus to the Word of God. Remember, I I showed you the Bible and said how you can have all of these words on a page and you can understand some of them and maybe there's others that you struggle with, but you could be reading one day and it's like the Holy Spirit shines His flashlight on a word, a verse, a phrase, and just it jumps out to you. Has anybody ever had that happen? You've, you've read it a hundred times, you know. I mean, you know, we can all quote, most of us, a lot of us, Psalms 23. You could read it over and over, but then sometimes you read it and it goes, thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing that to me. I've read it over and over again, but, but that day I needed to see something. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then, of course, I said he brings comfort and he brings peace. Amen. He is the comforter. In John chapter 14, when Jesus said those words, I'm going to pray the Father, and he's going to give you another helper, that phrase literally means another of the exact same kind. So the same way the Holy Spirit is to us is the same way Jesus was to his disciples. Jesus calmed their fears. Jesus led them. Jesus guided them. He instructed them. And the Holy Spirit does that with us today. Amen? So would you like to know the third? The third of the great gifts? The third one is this. Redemption through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Now I was just going to say Jesus. right? But somebody go, oh, he's about to say Jesus. But it's not just Jesus. It's what Jesus did for us. This is the time of year when we celebrate the birth of Christ. Now, I know that there's people out there that go, you know, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th because it would be too cold for shepherds to be out in the fields. He was, he was born in September, so they rail against Christmas. And I, I just say to them, you know, go somewhere and do something productive. I mean, really, really, big deal. So we got the date wrong. Big deal. So what? You know what I mean? I'm going to celebrate on December 25th. You celebrate when you want. Now, this is what, so leave us alone. Anyway, so that's just my rant for this morning. But It might not be the exact day, but it's the day that we chose to celebrate. And so we chose December 25th to celebrate the birth of Christ. And Jesus is the gift that was given, but it's not just the fact that he was given. It's what that gift does for us. So let's talk about that because the Bible says that we've been redeemed. Now, the definition of redemption 
And that word literally means this. And here's the definition. A releasing affected by the payment of a ransom. In other words, you could say this. I was held in bondage. We just sang about it. I was a slave. But I'm no longer a slave. But I was a slave. I was held in bondage. And Jesus, through his blood, paid a redemption to release me. He gave himself for a ransom. Amen? Do you believe that? I believe that with all of my heart. It is called redemption. God purchased us back through the giving of this incredible, incredible gift. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Listen to this. It says, The man Jesus Christ, who what? Who gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Me and some of the, the men, uh, some of our pastors and leaders, we went over to Clewiston, Florida a few Wednesdays ago and uh, to hear a guy speak by the name of Pastor Ron Carpenter, one of my favorite preachers. And, and in this service, he said something. And I remember I was sitting next to Jeff Irizarry, and I said, mm, that was so good, man. And here's what he said. He said, if you want to know what Jesus won, study what Adam lost. Man, I, I, I turned and I said, I'm full. Let's just leave. I'm done with that one right there. Uh, if you want to know what Jesus won, if you want to know what happened at the cross, if you really want to know through the death and burial resurrection of Jesus what really took place, just study what Adam lost. Adam lost so much. In fact, let me just give you a quick list. Here's just a quick list. There's so much more than this, but these are some of the top things that Adam lost. Number one, he lost the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says that the glory of God is what was covering Adam. He was clothed in the glory of God. He lost dominion over the earth. Remember, God said, uh, have dominion over the earth, subdue it. He lost intimate fellowship with God. That doesn't mean that there was no fellowship with God in the Old Testament before Jesus came. It just means that it was difficult, that there was this process. Of course, we know when the tabernacle was built, you had to go through the, the outer courts, into the inner courts, into the, the Holy of Holies. And so there was this process, and, and that intimacy uh, was not there, but the Bible says that when Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom, that God literally grabbed that big thick veil and he ripped it himself, amen, giving us access to Christ himself. And then number four, spiritual rest and renewal. Remember, if you look, just read the Old Testament, look at how much work they had, to, they had to sacrifice. They had to go through the rituals. They had to, to kill an animal, to, to sprinkle the blood. The, the blood had to be shed. And there was all these different ways it had to happen. And so there was no spiritual rest. There was no spiritual renewal until Jesus came. And he won back. In fact, you could say this. What Jesus really won was us. I said what Jesus really won was us. He bought us back. 
That's why he came. The Bible says he came to seek and save that which was lost. What was lost? Humanity. I'm a part of that. I was lost. But Jesus came and he gave himself as a ransom. He paid a payment. What was the payment? His own blood. If you're in Ephesians, let's read in Ephesians chapter 1. And let me tell you, you could just spend months and years in Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start in verse number 4. And it says this, Just as He chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise and glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now look at verse number 7 because I want to focus on this one today. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Let me just read it again. In Him we have what? Redemption. How? Through His blood. What does that include? The forgiveness of sins. How does that happen? According to the grace, the riches of His grace. Man, you could just read that and get happy, right? You can just get glad and go, listen, I'm no longer a slave. I don't have to live in slavery. I don't have to live in bondage. Christ has redeemed me. He's adopted me. He's purchased me. Amen? And he did it at a high cost. Listen, this is why this time of year we celebrate a, a baby in a manger. Because that baby became a man. And that man became someone who walked around and healed the sick and, and cleansed lepers and raised the dead. And then that man stretched out his arm, shed his own blood, and he did it all for us. Somebody say, Amen. He did it for us. And the greatest gift we could ever be given, if you really judge it, if you think about it, if I'm judging it based on thoughtfulness, if I'm judging it based on cost, and if I'm judging it based on its effect on my life, the greatest gift I could ever be given is the redemption that God has bought me, that I've been purchased by His own blood. Amen? I am not my own. I'm purchased by the blood of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says this, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood, He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. This morning, as I was pulling onto the property, you're not going to believe this, I was pulling onto the property, and it's like, you know, I get here real early, like 5.30. It's like 5.30 in the morning, and I pull up, and out in the front is three goats. I, I've got a video on my phone because I didn't think anybody would believe me. Now, I've seen pigs here. There's a, there's a family of wild pigs that I would love to just get rid of. And we have an owl that you talk about being scared of angels. That owl scares me half to death because that thing... We got a big screech owl that lives on the back of this property. That thing's wings are like four feet, and it'll fly right over you and screech. I'm telling you what, you'll have a come-to-Jesus meeting when you have that owl come over your head. I thought he was going to pick me up. I'm not that big. I thought he'd pick me up, carry me off. I'd be owl food. So 
So we got pigs and we got out. But I go on to now. I'm reading this verse today, and I drive up to the property this morning, and there are three goats in the front of our property. Three goats. I said, I ain't believing this. So I get out of my car, I grab my phone, and I thought, I'm going to take a video of these things. And I go up to them, and they're just sitting there. And they kind of trot off a little bit, and then they turn around and face me. And I thought, oh, no, I've seen this on YouTube. These things will back up and then come right at you. And there's three of them. They had me outnumbered. And they were probably bigger than me too. So, so these goats are out there. And I thought, I can't believe that I'm preaching on, on Hebrews chapter 9, the blood of bulls and goats, and there's three goats sitting on our property. And finally they trot off, you know, into the woods somewhere. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for your safety and protection over my life. But, but that's what had to happen in the Old Testament. They used to have to take a goat and slaughter it. And it had to be done in exact way. And then they would take the blood and they would capture that blood in a bowl. And a priest wearing bells around his waist. Because if he had sin in his life, he would drop dead on the spot. Would go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. And sprinkle some of that blood on the altar, on, the, on the, the, the angels that are over that ark. And that would bring forgiveness for the sins of the people. But the Bible says that Jesus, listen to this, with his own blood, walked in to the most holy place, offering to God one time, huh? not once a year, once and for all. He secured our eternal redemption with his own blood. Listen, I tell you what, why do you want to celebrate a, a baby in a manger? Why do we celebrate Sunday after Sunday? Why do we get so excited about Easter? It's because Jesus paid the ultimate price. I am redeemed. And if you've got no other reason to lift your hands, if you've got no other reason to celebrate, if you've got no other reason to, to get glad, if you've got no other reason to let joy rise up on the inside of you, know this, you are forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been purchased. You have been bought, not with the blood of bulls and goats. You've been bought with His own blood. Hallelujah! With His own blood. You're redeemed. Amen. Amen. 